So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Roswell in the 21st century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on Earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22-year-long investigation conducted by the Air Force. But the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was ordered terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404 404- Four seven four zero zero eight six. This is a different perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here's the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. 
I should remind you all that the Best of Project Blue Book was uh, published recently. It's a compendium of the some of the Project Blue Book cases that I found fascinating, and I was able to bring in additional information about those cases that was not available to the Air Force at the time they did their investigations. And I think it gives a, well, a different perspective into Project Blue Book. I'm gonna be joined here in just a moment with Doug Westfall. He has been publishing for over 20 years, and during this time, has had the opportunity to publish some of the really great stories of America's history. Some of the books, he, some of those books he wrote, many were written by selected authorities, while others are reproductions of significant historical publications. Over the years, he has discovered dozens of artifacts, hundreds of manuscripts, and literally thousands of historic photographs, all previously unpublished. All of the historic photos are carefully restored and each artifact, manuscript, and photograph he obtains is donated to public archives. Welcome to A Different Perspective, Doug Westfall. Hello, Kevin. How are you today? I'm fine. I hope you're doing well. We are. We are. I uh, was watching on uh, cable TV some programs of the curse of the Bermuda Triangle and then Josh Gates expedition and known when they talked about the Bermuda Triangle. And one of the things they focused on was flight 19. And uh, that struck a chord with me. So I was looking around for additional information about flight 19. And we'll get into exactly what that was in a moment and came across your name as someone who may have found a solution to it. So I guess to get us started here, I think everybody's pretty familiar with the, what the Bermuda Triangle is. Um, what exactly, in a nutshell, was Flight 19? What is that all about? Flight 19 has often been called the Lost Patrol. It was not a patrol. It was five TBM Avengers that took off on December 5th of 1945 on a simple training mission to go out to the Bahamas, do a triangle, and come back. They never returned. This was five separate aircraft took off together, flying formation, and disappeared all at one time. Yes, that's correct. And for, I guess, since that time in 1945, there's been other disappearances in this area known as the Bermuda Triangle. There's been disappearances going back to the days of Columbus. Uh, they've come across ships out there uh, in the 1500s that would be uh, filled with just skeletal crews, nobody alive, just sitting in the water. It's remarkable the things that have been discovered in the Bermuda Triangle area. Now, when you say skeletal crews, you mean a ship on the surface of the ocean or something that they found that had sunk? On the surface of the ocean, out in the middle of the Atlantic is the Sargossa Sea, named for Sargossa Grapes of Italy. Uh, Columbus discovered it. Ships would get caught in the kelp beds because they're so thick and would be stranded and never, ever sail away. Eventually, the men would die and eventually they would rot and you'd end up with skeletons literally on ships that would be discovered by other ships sailing across the Atlantic. But these weren't disappearances. These were ships that were, were found, obviously. Much but later. But there have been many, many disappearances that were considered mysterious, and the one that sort of began this was Flight 19. Definitely Flight 19. was first written about in the Miami Herald in 1950 by Edward Van Winkle Jones. Interesting name, to say the least. Uh, he did not call it a triangle or Bermuda. He had a map that showed an aircraft 
flying from Bermuda towards Puerto Rico that disappeared. He had ships then flying or sailing from Puerto Rico to Miami that disappeared. And then he had uh, showed Flight 19 flying out into the ocean, sort of on the direction of uh, Bermuda. And they, of course, all disappeared as well. Uh, therefore, it formed a triangle in his chart. Uh, it wasn't until two years later in Fate magazine that Vince Gaddis came up with the idea that it was the Devil's Triangle. Uh, following that, uh, I believe about 1964, there was an Argosy magazine. That was Vince Gaddis. I apologize. George Sand is the one that came up with Devil's Triangle. Vince Gaddis came up with the term Bermuda Triangle. So it's been a progression over the years. There's been many, many books written about disappearances in the area. And the linchpin, the cornerstone of this is Flight 19. And yes, the one thing, I, The one thing I remember is Jim Lorenzen from the old Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. They were holding a um, symposium or convention in Denver, Colorado, I think in 1974. The one thing I remember is uh, Jim Lorenzo standing on the stage talking a little bit about the Bermuda Triangle, and he said about specifically Flight 19, you could think of nothing that could happen that would cause a whole flight of aircraft to disappear at once. And this was the real mystery that kind of supports the idea of something strange going on in the Bermuda Triangle. So is there a way that all four, all five airplanes can disappear at once? Well, they didn't disappear at once. And if we have all the radio messages that came in, we also have a triangulation by the Coast Guard. Um, they disappeared over a period of time that evening. Um, to preface this, uh, the flight commander, uh, Captain Taylor, or Lieutenant Taylor, had requested the flight be grounded. This was in the afternoon, about 3 p.m. That was denied. Uh, it was starting now, to now, rain. And he, the he asked he asked it to be grounded because the weather wasn't all that great in Fort Lauderdale, where they were based, right? Correct. Correct. It had started to rain, and um, the offshore winds were at about 31 knots, which is pretty severe crosswind. He had requested grounded. It was denied. They took off. We have at least two witnesses that saw them fly out over the ocean, uh, one of which is still alive. He was a small boy fishing in the water. We've interviewed him. So we've got them out flying out, out toward Bermuda, actually Hen, Henson Chicken Shoals, I believe it was, which is kind of a target they used to practice their uh, torpedo bombing. Correct. They had dummy torpedoes and would drop them and, and then make the three-point turn, come back and land. Um, there had been a flight the week prior doing the same plan. And because of the northerly winds in the Atlantic, the flight, the, the previous flight had ended up over 100 miles north when it flew into shore. So navigation was a problem over that area because of the winds. Very much so. It's a continual northerly wind. Uh, they estimate the northerly winds on the day of flight 19 were up to 60 knots. So um, why didn't they get back to Florida? The planes had not been refueled from the morning flights. So they were short fueled to begin with. The Coast Guard triangulation, uh, the only actual sighting, if you will, that we have, is up by Cape Canaveral, about 30 miles offshore. 
Um, that's the sighting of the first plane that went in the water. It was reported it went in the water at that time. Uh, again, it's a triangulation by the Coast Guard. Uh, the planes at that point split up. Um, some of them believed they were actually below Florida. Others believed they were north of Florida. So two flew toward land and two flew toward uh, open ocean. Uh, didn't didn't Taylor report that his compasses were malfunctioning? Yes, it had been tested before, but it had been reported bad at one time. In addition, uh, the lightning that was striking was affecting their high-frequency radios, so not all the communications could come through. Again, Taylor had only flown south of Florida and in the Keys. He thought that was the location they had been blown into. So he was mistaken and flew east along with another aircraft. So he's in the Florida Keys, and he believes if he flies east, he's going to run into Florida. Correct. But he is not. He is far north of the Bahamas, actually about 30 miles off Cape Canaveral. So he's flying in the wrong direction. Didn't the other guys in the flight say, hey, you know, we're going the wrong way? Two of them did. Uh, each of them has a number. Uh, commander of Flight FT-81 flew towards uh, shore. Also, commander of Flight FT-36 flew towards shore. Taylor was in FT-28. He flew east, as did FT-3, which also flew east. The one that crashed in the water was FT-117. So what we've got is a flight of five aircraft. We've got a flight leader who is confused because he believe, he believes his compasses are malfunctioning, probably because he's in the wrong place and he thinks he's somewhere else and the directions don't work out for him. He's flying in the wrong direction to get back to Florida. And if he continued on that course, he ended up deeper into the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, that's correct. In fact, after Flight 19 officially was announced as disappeared, mm -hmm. there are over 50 sightings by aircraft, seacraft, and uh, Army on, on the shore. So we have 50 sightings that point to where Flight 19 may have been. Okay, let me break in here because I've got to take uh, a time out. Uh, the website is www.specialbooks.com. One word, special books with the S and the B also capitalized. I will have additional information up on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about Flight 19 and what caused them to disappear. So please stick around. Are you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Gen E as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. 
Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. Is formulated from zoolite whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit vitalityhappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past life lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. I am with Doug Westfall. We're talking about the Bermuda Triangle and specifically Flight 19 because Doug Westfall has done a great deal of research into Flight 19. This was the five of 10 Avenger torpedo bombers that disappeared in 1945. When we went away, we had the flight breaking up and it kind of uh, bothered me being a military pilot and understanding the dynamics of working in a flight with a flight of people that the flight would break up that way. Um, and, and didn't at one point Taylor say and it monitored that uh, when the first man is down to 10 gallons of gas, we'll all ditch together, which would suggest the flight didn't break up? Yes, and that was when the first man did go down. That was FT-117. And again, that's approximately 30 miles off Cape Canaveral as per the Coast Guard triangulation. Uh, but they then decided, two men, uh, two flight commanders, decided that they were very close to the shore of Florida and did not go in the water and flew west out of orders because they simply believed they were that close to shore, and they were correct. Well, let me, let me make one thing clear to the listeners. When, when you talk about the, the commanders, what you're talking about is an aircraft commander who is, I guess, subordinate to the flight leader, which would have been Taylor. Yes. And so um, they should have been obeying his his commands to stick together. And I remember the um, 
commander of the Thunderbirds at one point, this is the aerobatic team of the United States Air Force, had said that the his flight should be sticking with him, and if he flew into the ground, there should be four other craters right around him. They should not be breaking off. So I'm a little bit disturbed by the idea that the flight broke up that way. Part of the reason is the two flight commanders of the two aircraft that went to shore had flown this pattern before, were well familiar with Florida coastline, and Taylor had told them that he believed they were west of Florida uh, and had passed the Florida Keys, meaning they were out in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, these two uh, individuals disagreed with him and so broke formation and flew west. It's still unclear as to why Taylor believed he should fly east, even if he said they would ditch. Uh, again, FT-3 also flew east. Um, each so, aircraft has three men in it. Uh, FT-3, however, only has two. One of the individuals, the radio man, had been grounded just before the flight. And we've interviewed him as well. That's Alan Cosner. Okay, so we've got the, the flight kind of scattered. And, and uh, weren't the guys suggesting to Taylor that, hey, we need to go the other direction. We need to turn around. We're flying in the wrong direction. Didn't... Uh, wasn't there any kind of communication amongst them about that? Absolutely. We have every radio message uh, in the book, everything that happened point by point uh, with time and declinations. What you say, in the, and let's, let's clarify that right now. When you say in the book, you actually have a book about uh, Flight 19. What's the name of that book? The book is Discovery of Flight 19. It was produced by Captain John F. Meyer, who was a master aviator in Vietnam uh, in the Army Air Corps or for Army for 20 years, and flew for the FAA, a uh, remarkable man. He's the one that did all the research for this product. Okay, so we have a book that uh, I guess it's available on uh, Amazon. The only thing on Amazon is the ebook. We also sell the ebook, but the printed book is only available at specialbooks.com, selected stores, it's in the Smithsonian. Museum. There's a few other places that you can pick it up. Okay, so Meyer wrote the book about this. Now we've got the uh, airplane scattered. Has any wreckage been found that was support this Meyer, idea? John Meyer formed an organization, nonprofit, got funding, went ahead and went looking for what he believed uh, were three planes that were viable. One was in the water off Cape Canaveral, uh, about 30 miles. He did find that aircraft, pulled it up, brought it to shore, started working on it to prove that it was the plane by going by the bureau numbers. But the Navy had heard about it, came out, took it away from them, and they informed him they were going to destroy the aircraft. Why would they do that? It happens frequently. The Navy says they own the aircraft. Um, John Meyer, when he was alive, uh, would be called out in a variety of areas in Florida, in swamps and, and landfill, because they would find an aircraft and they would call John to have him identify it. And he knew and could identify almost any aircraft of that time period. Um, but they, again, take everyone and destroy them. They don't keep it. Did he take photographs of the, the numbers from the aircraft? or they, I, I'm sure there were serial numbers on the engine parts and other, other aspects of the aircraft. Did he get any photographs to he kind of... Barely, he barely got it apart when the Navy took it away from him. 
Um, he has photographs of the wreckage. I, we have photographs of it being pulled out of the water. We have photographs of it lying on the on the bottom of the ocean. It was exactly where the Coast Guard said it was. This is uh, FT-117, had three men in it. There were three skeletons in it. Uh, he brought it up. It was an exact spot where they said it should be uh, per the Coast Guard's triangulation in 1945. If I write to the Navy... FOIA request and ask them specifically about this aircraft being recovered, what's their response going to be? Uh, John, for years, had done this and had been denied. He had a friend at the Pentagon who eventually told him that the Navy had informed him he should drop it. Did they give a reason for this? This doesn't make any sense to me. No, none whatsoever. Uh, of late, before John passed two years ago, he was trying to go through the Freedom of Information Act and still had no results on that aircraft, nor the two that uh, had flown towards uh, landfall. Now, did he find the other two aircraft that made land? He found the sites, and he had been contacted by uh, Judge Steichleather, who had been hunting out in that area uh, in 1964 and had discovered the aircraft. Judge Schleichleather stated that he called the Navy immediately. They came out. They verified that the two men in the uh, pilot and co-pilot were from Flight 19 by their dog tags. Uh, they took the plane. Uh, judge asked that he be present for whatever memorial or funeral service. He was contacted later and told that they had buried the men in anonymous graves and had destroyed the aircraft. Uh, once again, this makes no sense to me. It makes no sense I, to I, me either. I don't understand why the Navy would do that. It's not like the Navy was responsible or, or, or culpable in some fashion. I mean, it's a tragic accident, and that's all it really is. I don't understand why the Navy wouldn't uh, want to honor the men who died in the service of the country. I agree. It took um, 30 years before John got a plaque up for these men, um, and there's a memorial. Um, John's take on it, he's very open. Again, he was military, but at the same time, he said, you've got 14 men in five aircraft who disappeared in one night. We have over 50 sightings, yet the review board and the search only lasted five days and then was given up. And he said that's too short a time. Um, well, so he feels they essentially the Navy dropped the ball and, and could have possibly found some of these men. Did any, I mean, going crashing into the ocean is, is a difficult uh, thing to survive. Any indications that any of the men survived the, the accident? Yes, we have numerous sightings of men floating in the water, uh, life raft in the water, and these planes did have life rafts. The aircraft would stay afloat for uh, a period of time, up to 30 minutes, depending upon how it hit. Um, they also had sightings of parachute in water. They know at least two men bailed out over open ocean. All these sightings were documented. We have them all in the book. Um, Everything from uh, where the planes hit to where these men drifted because the northerly current is also very strong. And we have sightings in each locale. Again, a plane flying over, a land plane, uh, it reports. They go back out with a ship 
you know, the next day and there's nobody there. They can't find them. Again, the northerly drift is what the culprit is here. So people survive the accident. Um, the guys in the ocean are pretty well screwed. Uh, what about the guys, the planes that crashed on the land? Did anybody survive those crashes? There were two crashes on land. One about 30 miles, maybe 25 miles west of Cape Canaveral. Uh, when that one was discovered, all the men were dead. The other one was the crash site further south. It had actually started a southerly direction aimed towards, literally, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, both planes had been sighted. Both planes had been reported as being crashed and on fire. The plane that landed further south, that would be FT-36, uh, that's the one that was discovered by the judge. And it should have had three men in it, but the radio man was missing. The side door was blown off and the parachute was gone. So the suggestion is the radio guy bailed out over land? Yes. In fact, a Pan Am commuter plane was flying northerly, and uh, at about one in the morning, somebody shot a flare at it. This is rather unusual, even in those times. So the man, the pilot turned on his landing light, circled around, and saw a man on the ground waving with his arms. Okay, let's in the break. Of, right, in the middle of a swamp. Right, I've got to take. I've got to take a, a time out here. Sure. Uh, the site is www.specialbooks.com. The book is about Flight 19, and all the information, the photographs, are available in the book. I will have additional information at www.kevinrandall.com. And like I say, uh, take a look at Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, because I think those will also be interesting books about UFOs. We will be back right after this with more with Doug Westfall about Flight 19. So please stick around. How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide audience if you have seen a ufo had a close encounter seen a ghost 
Bigfoot Lake Monster or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, X-Zone Radio TV. For more information on the X-Zone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. I am joined by Doug Westfall. We're talking about Flight 19, but before we get to that, I wanted to mention that there are some other fine programs about the paranormal on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. So take a look at the, the website, uh, xzbn.net, and uh, you can find something there that will interest you totally and completely that has to do with the paranormal. Well, when we went away, we were talking about a survivor from Flight 19, on the ground in Florida, had fired a flare at, a, I guess, a commercial airliner, commercial plane, and was seen standing there waving his hands. What happened to that guy? Well, initially, um, the Army was sent out to look for him, but not until 3 in the afternoon the following day. So it had been over 12 hours before they went to look for him, and there was nothing found. Uh, what, this was, is, what was the weather is, like overnight? Was, was the weather really bad and... and in Florida, um, we're in December. Uh, would it be possible to survive in that environment without the proper gear? John and I always felt that he probably was eaten by alligators. He was in a swamp. It was raining that night. Uh, we never heard any more from him until after we published the book. When the book came out, we got notified by... Staff Sergeant George Payonesse's family that they they know he survived. Not only did he survive. Wait, wait a minute! To you're, talk, you're talking about the guy in the swamp having survived. The army couldn't find him, and he went home. No, he hitchhiked up to NAS Jacksonville, sent a telegram to his brother, who was a Marine on secret duty in Washington, D.C., at 8th and I uh, streets, and uh, said, whatever you heard is wrong, I'm very much alive. We verified the telegram. I have a copy of it. Um, he then disappears again. Um, I found the girlfriend of Staff Sergeant George Panessa. 
she met him and visited him out in Los Angeles where he had established a contracting building company and I found his uh, records out here. Uh, why hasn't this been widely circulated? I mean, there's all these people interested in the Bermuda Triangle writing all these books about the Bermuda Triangle. Why hasn't that this been established before? I've sent out press releases. I've released uh, and gotten interviewed by the Associated Press. Uh, the information comes out, but more people are interested in the Bermuda Triangle than they are about one guy that bailed out during Flight 19. But Flight 19 being the cornerstone of this whole thing, that the fact that somebody survived the flight takes some of the mystery out of the Bermuda Triangle? Quite a right away. And you're absolutely convinced that this guy was on flight 19 and he survived it and lived to a ripe old age somewhere else? Uh, he lived in Pasadena. He uh, survived, uh, never married, uh, did meet the girlfriend out here. I don't have any more status on her. She's gone. I have talked to his nephew, who is the son of the Marine that was stationed uh, at Washington, D.C., who he telegraphed. Um, it's interesting that many of these family members believe this fellow survived and lived it out in Los Angeles. I have to preface this. Over 10,000 military went AWOL immediately after World War II. Um, they wanted to go home. They wanted to see their girlfriend. They wanted to bring in the crop, whatever it is. They'll have three months on their hitch, six months on their hitch. And many of them were just done and wanted to go home. President well, Truman, should, in his wisdom, out, pardoned all these out, men. We should point out that they fulfilled their military obligation. They had fought through World War II. They were caught up in the process of who had enough points to be discharged and that sort of thing. And so you're, what you're saying is 10,000 of them decided, well, I've got enough points and I'm going home. Did, did the military ever follow up on these people? What happened to all these people that, that sort of deserted? President Truman, in his wisdom, said any man who went AWOL after the signing of the surrender by the Japanese was hereby honorably discharged from the United States military. So, Everyone. so he's got no reason to hide then. He, he, he's gone. He went AWOL. He's been officially discharged by President Truman. Why didn't he come forward when the controversy about Flight 19 began? That would have been really, uh, other than the two articles in the 50s, nothing really was written or broadcast about that uh, until the 60s, and he had passed away by then. So he had no opportunity to come forward. Are you absolutely sure you've got the right guy here? Well, I've talked and interviewed a number of people, including many of the Panessa family. I called every Panessa that's in California. There's like 50. Um, of those that are aware of George, um, they say he lived it out in Pasadena, ran a contracting company in Los Angeles. I found the building and the address um, and then passed away. Did he offer any insight to his relatives about what had happened in Flight 19 that we're, we're not aware of? None whatsoever. He wanted to get away from it. He did believed he, the Navy was looking for him, and he did not want to be found. Did 
did he feel any guilt about, well, he didn't really desert his friends and leave them to die. I mean, he survived and they didn't. Did he feel any sort of survivor's guilt? Um, he was more, of all I know is, is of the people I've spoken to. And he was more concerned about the Navy finding him than anything else. He just wanted to live his life out. So he went to California, and that was the end of that. Um, yeah. The other plane you say that crashed, the, there were three skeletons found on it. Yes. Uh, do we know what happened to the... Okay, we've accounted for three of the airplanes. One crashed in the ocean, two crashed on land. What about the other two? The One, one apparently stayed with Taylor, and they... they Actually, they went in slightly different directions. Taylor went almost due east. And uh, he went out, I would say, probably 150 miles before the crash site was located. Um, as well, uh, the other aircraft, FT-3, went a little more southerly and went out almost as far, probably 130 miles before it crashed into the ocean. Uh, there is a sighting of both aircraft floating. There is sightings of men uh, floating in the water, including... Um, three uh, that bailed out. Two bailed out from Taylor's plane, and the one man remaining bailed out from uh, Powers' plane, which was FT-3. FT-3 only had two men in it. The nav navigator-slash-radio man had been grounded due to a sinus infection. I have interviewed him. Uh, that's Alan Cosner. He's actually still alive. If anybody has guilt, it's him. He said, so he, he, does, said he was distraught over the fact that all of his buddies, because they, they, they roomed together, they, they lived together. Yeah, I can imagine that would be quite, quite the thing. You know, you, you left behind and the flight never returns. I, I'm still a little puzzled uh, by this. I can understand that the, the guys writing about the Bermuda Triangle wanting to keep the mystery alive. I, I get that. that. That's their bread and butter. And in fact, there was a flight um, in the 1960s, the C-119 disappeared. It was a, a plane with the 440th tactical airlift wing out of Milwaukee, and it disappeared in 1966, or 1964, I think it was. And they write about it having vanished completely. I was the director of intelligence for the 928th tactical airlift group, which was subordinate to the 440th. And we had a meeting at the wing headquarters and on a lark, I asked somebody about the disappearance of this C-119. And they said, yeah, we found some of the wreckage. Would you like to see it? And they had recovered some pieces of debris from the wreckage of the aircraft. They told me that the aircraft had, had electrical problems, that the um, uh, if, if you flew into that area and you were in a slight haze, the, the horizon disappeared so if you lost your electrical system at night it was almost impossible to keep your airplane flying because you'd have no uh, references to, to use especially if the electrical system was gone but they found the they found wreckage of the aircraft so we we listen to or hear about this airplane that disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle without a sign and the, the, the answer is no it didn't it crashed in that area and wreckage has been found uh, so you know, I, I understand the mindset of the people who want to keep the mystery alive and, and leaving out the, those sorts of facts. Um, 
But I'm a, I, I just don't understand why there hasn't been more information about this available to the public when we when we look at the, at the Bermuda Triangle stuff. Uh, I would think that it would have been a, a big story by the news media. We found one of the airplanes from Flight 19, and I would think that those who had no dog in the fight, so to speak, would uh, would love to be able to publicize, yeah, we found one of the airplanes. I agree. When we released the book, we had numerous press releases. We have a contact with the Associated Press. I called the Miami Herald. Uh, they did not carry the story. Um, I brought out additional press releases every time we interviewed different people who remained behind. Uh, we interviewed uh, Lieutenant Commander uh, Robbie Roberts, who is now 103, still alive, and he ran the review board. We've interviewed uh, Alan Cosner, who is the man that was grounded. Um, I've also me, interviewed uh, numerous other people that were involved in, in Flight 19. Here, I need to interrupt you because I've got to take a break and I've let this run a little bit too long and I, I should have done that. Uh, my website is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Take a look at www.specialbooks.com and you can buy a copy of the book about Flight 19 and learn everything there is. Please uh, stick around for our last segment. abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again simultv.com simultv.com what's simultv.com that's what i asked them they had it written on the side of their ufo how do you spell that ufo no i mean simultv.com 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 right simultv.com interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com ufo last night oh yeah yeah now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals as well as the evolution of humankind. 
One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. Joined by Doug Westfall, we're talking about Flight 19 and the cornerstone to the Bermuda Triangle. And what he we've learned in the last uh, few minutes is that there were there was a survivor that uh, lived out his life in California. There were others that apparently survived. The flight apparently broke up and went their their own way. Um, and I guess the real question I have is. I mean, up, the airplanes have been found. Is there good documentation to support the idea the airplanes that were found in Florida and in the ocean are, are parts of Flight 19? Is there good documentation for that? Nothing we have today can prove that. Again, all three aircraft were taken up by the Navy and physically destroyed. The uh, bodies of the, or skeletal bodies that were discovered in the 60s were buried we were told in anonymous graves, and there's no way to identify anything at this point. The only physical aircraft we've had is FT-117 that splashed into the water about 30 miles out from Cape Canaveral that was brought up from the ocean floor and had been started to take apart when the Navy took it away from my author, John Meyer. And we have the telegram that... Um the Marine sergeant sent to his brother? Yes, we do. And that, of course, is reproduced in the book. Yes, it is. So we have a little bit of documentation, but nothing that's really conclusive. Because there are, but, but you are absolutely convinced Flight 19 has been found. Yes, sir, I do. It's just, it just absolutely flabbergasts me that, that, uh, I have been interested in the Bermuda Triangle since I first learned about it in the 1960s and it followed these sorts of things for literally decades. And until I got in touch with you, I had not heard any of this about the aircraft being found. I know that there had been stories on the news that an aircraft had been found and they would bring it up and it wasn't part of Flight 19. They would check the serial numbers on various bits of equipment and say, no, this doesn't match anything. So the stories that they had found stuff that they believe was part of Flight 19 have been out there, but they have been sort of proven not to be parts of Flight 19. And you're, you're saying the Navy has been covering this thing up since basically the 1940s. That was John Meyer's estimation. Again, captain in the Army, master aviator, well, the man is a remarkable individual, gone now. That was his estimation from what the information he had received and communication with the Navy and the Pentagon. We still have two aircraft that have never been pulled up off the sea floor. They are in very deep water. Again, it's a TBM. It's not very big. 
but I do have the coordinates if anybody wants to go looking. Well, I was going to say that I know parts of the Bermuda Triangle are some of the deepest um, ocean in parts of the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, it's if something sank into that area, you, you would never get down to it because it is so deep. But you're saying the other two airplanes are at least shallow enough they could be recovered? I would estimate probably 11,000 feet down. Again, it's not the Titanic. It's not 1,000 feet long. It's a TBM. Uh, we're not even 30 feet long. So it would be very, very difficult to locate. Again, modern technology might be able to do so. I have the coordinates if anybody wants to start looking. But you're saying both of them are in 11,000 feet of water? I would guesstimate, yes. So they went, they went into the deepest parts of the Bermuda Triangle then? Yes. We're talking okay. over, over a couple of hundred miles out. What does the, what does the sea do to an aircraft once it's sunk? I mean, depends doesn't on, it sort of... Depends on the depth. If you're under 150 feet, it's going to be covered in eight inches of coral because of the sunlight available. If you get below that, it's probably pretty pristine. Uh, the more aluminum, the more the aluminum corrodes. As you know, aluminum actually oxidizes, whereas steel may rust. But if it gets down there deep enough, the pressure and the cold will maintain it for a very long time. Again, John brought up a, uh, a, uh, an aircraft, uh, one of the flight aircraft off of Cape Canaveral. And it was pretty encrusted. It wasn't that deep, but he did bring an aircraft up, even from that standpoint. And this is only 15 years ago. So he had a he, he had an opportunity to recover one of the aircraft, and the, as you say, the Navy took it away. Yes. As I say, I just cannot believe. I, I guess I'm flabbergasted by this because of my interest in the Bermuda Triangle and the fact that uh, I didn't know anything about this until I contacted you just a couple of weeks ago, that uh, Flight 19 is, according to what John Meyer said, your your author, your friend, uh, had, had had been discovered. And, and the one thing that has always bothered me um, when we talked was the fact that we've got that transmission where uh, Taylor said, you know, when the first man is down to 10 gallons of gas, we'll, we'll all ditch together. But you're saying the flight broke up. They went their separate ways. Yes, and some of the flight uh, uh, radio messages we have indicate that as well. And you've laid all this evidence out in the book. Yes, sir. Every report, every radio message, every interview, uh, and we've interviewed dozens of people, many of whom are now gone, unfortunately, um, but uh, everyone, everything we have points to the fact that the flight broke up. One splash landed in uh, the Atlantic near Cape Canaveral. The other two went out to deep ocean. We have sightings for them, for both planes and the men. And then two went into shore and crash landed because they simply ran out of fuel. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm, as they say, I'm just uh, flummoxed by this whole thing. And I, I just don't understand how we can determine more, how we can get more evidence. What, uh, where would we con Who would we contact in the Navy to try to learn more about this? What would their reaction be? I have no idea at this point. Again, uh, John Meyer, my author, uh, went 
finally through the Freedom of Information Act, but ended up with no uh, usable info on the plane he discovered, much less the two uh, other aircraft that had hit the crash sites. Again, by the time John got to those crash sites, they'd already been pulled up, but he interviewed the men who had found it. And there were pieces of metal, if you will, from aircraft, not enough to make an identification as to the bureau numbers, etc., to definitively for John. But again, we had eyewitnesses who had been there. One was a judge. And, of course, you've got uh, the Marine sergeant who survived and yes. sent the telegram to his brother. Yes. Well, I'm not sure where we need to go now. What uh, we need to do. do. Let's, let's, the, the website is www.specialbooks.com, and it's the S and the B, and Special Books is capitalized, and it's one word. Uh, the story is about Flight 19. You've laid out the ev evidence, the information in that book for those who uh, would like to follow on, on on this. Is that correct? Kevin, the book has 200 pages in full color. It has 150 illustrations, has 35 definitive charts showing every flight path, every sighting, every crash site. We have all 50 sightings outlined in there and their sources. So we're looking at a well-documented book about about this. Very much so. Okay. Uh, Doug, thanks, thanks for taking time to uh, chat with us today. I appreciate the information and the insight to Flight 19. And uh, if you find anything more, you get the, the documentation that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt you found parts of Flight 19, uh, give me a shout and we'll, we'll, we'll chat about that at some time. I think it would be wonderful. We'll keep okay. looking. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Next week, on a different perspective, we're going to talk to Andy Morocco. Now, he's another guy who spent a great deal of time investigating Flight 19, and he's got a different theory. His idea is that the flight didn't break up, and uh, they stayed together. So we've got kind of competing theories here, and we'll explore that with, uh, with Andy next week and learn a little bit more about that and the the airplane that Doug mentioned, the other one that disappeared. After Flight 19 had t was reported missing, a Martin Mariner was sent out as part of the search um, search effort, and it disappeared. I said to him uh, on the phone, you know, people saw it explode. He said, no, it didn't blow up. It, it crashed into the ocean as well. So we'll, we'll chat with him about that and, and what he may have found uh, on the Martin Mariner and what... Uh, transpired with him and Josh Gates as they searched the ocean floor for some sign of the debris. I should also point out, like, I, like I've said before, there are some very fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at kazbn.net. Take a look at those. Uh, there's all sorts of information available there. I think there's some very fine programs that would interest those of us who are interested in the paranormal. I um, just published, as I mentioned before, a book called the Best of Project Blue Book. It's an examination of the Project Blue Book files, some of the best cases in it, with additional information in it that uh, suggests that maybe the Air Force investigation wasn't complete. And, and I, I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean the fact that they were required to end their investigation, especially in 1969. I was able to look at information that was developed after Project Blue Book was closed and bring that to bear on those cases as well. I think that'll be a 
very, very interesting for those of you who are interested in UFOs. As I say, in upcoming weeks, I'm going to be talking to Tom Carey. And remember, uh, we had Don Schmidt talking about the missing nurse. Tom's going to bring a different perspective to that, which I think might uh, be interesting as well. So you have been listening to A Different Perspective on the Exxon Broadcast Network. I appreciate you tuning in, and I hope you'll keep listening. Thank you much. Thank you.